Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by Natalie. Would you like to introduce yourself, Natalie? Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is fun. I am Natalie. I host a podcast called Yellow Bee Pod, but it's nice to meet you both. And it's good to be chatting to you both today. Yeah, first question I wanted to ask was, yeah. I know you live like fairly close to me. Do you yeah. consider yourself to live in London? Oh, this is a good question because it really depends on who I'm talking to. But sometimes I say I'm from London and sometimes I say I'm from Essex. And it's because I don't want people to bait me out. You know, when people are from like real London, like central London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel (laughs) like we need to like stick together. Well, we need to make a decision, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think we should be inside London as well. Or be able to have the right to say. Yeah, I live in a borough of London and it's, I don't think there's any doubt about it. But now that we've been in lockdown... I don't go into London that much anymore, so maybe I'm in like full Essex mode. Actually, I don't. I don't use that argument enough that I live in a borough of London. Yeah, borough of London inside the M25 near a tube station. These, these all count. Exactly, but people like Hamish and other people that we've had on the it's podcast, farming, reasonable people. <laughs> no, it's outrageous. Okay, yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. I just wanted to get that out of the way quickly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and you mentioned your host of the Yellow Bee Pod. Uh, what's it all about? It's all about highlighting sort of my experiences as someone who's British born Chinese and also other stories from people who are East and Southeast Asian. Um, because there's a lot of us here in the UK even, but sometimes people don't know about us or sometimes people feel really isolated within their own communities if they don't really have that many like East Asian families around, for example. But yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. It still feels like a pretty new project. Yeah, when did you start it? In May. So it was a lockdown passion project for me. Like like a lot of people, I went into lockdown and then decided I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and yeah. start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, actually, we had a guest on like before lockdown who was talking about like she came on and we talked about like starting a podcast because she had ideas on when to start a podcast. And mm. I think she messaged me like near the beginning of lockdown and was like, Okay, yeah, all the microphones are just sold out on Amazon. Yeah. Like you can't get one because I guess everyone just stuck, decided to, whether it's podcasting or maybe YouTube or something like that, just, yeah, a, like a passion project, I guess, that they wanted to do for a while. And lockdown's a pretty good time mm-hmm. to start, I guess. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I think it's a great medium. How come you two decided to start the podcast? Yeah, this we get asked this a lot, but I'm always like, it's it's not that interesting we just there's no like i don't know deep meaning behind it it's just we just chat a lot of shit and we just People, made it into kind of need to record this <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like that's what one of our friends said that we need to uh need to record it but yeah there's there's no like we we started it before lockdown so it wasn't kind of like a lockdown yeah passion project i think it was yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was kind of also like a good opportunity to like meet new people and like talk to new people. I think Hamish says sometimes it's like a really good way for us to keep in contact with people that we maybe haven't spoken to for like ages or mm-hmm. it's not it's not even like I think I have interesting things to say, really. <laughs> I don't, I don't... And that's the episode. Thanks for tuning yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, sometimes people message us saying like, Oh, that opinion is interesting and then they'll sort of speaking about it like randomly after yeah. the episode. Yeah, then that just really, as I said, like it makes us catch up with people after a long time. Because then after that, I guess if they come on as a guest as well, I guess they get like stuck in, either agree or disagree, whatever it is. But it's led to some interesting stuff. Mm. Like even like I didn't think that after I wouldn't see a lot of people. I was like, oh wow. So it's like a good thing. It's just sometimes unexpected. 
but yeah, then so it's because sometimes we forget that this is all out there for the public, <laughs> even though we're just kind of just doing this meeting one person because this is now, I guess, a norm to us. It's yeah. Not too, yeah. It's not too, I guess, anxious or anything. You just get on with it. Did you have the idea to start one well before lockdown or was it kind of lockdown was when you first thought of it? Um, no, I had the idea before. It was actually proposed to me by a mate of mine because we always talk about how you know, certain communities that we're in are underrepresented in like, mainstream media. And yeah, so she suggested it first off. Since then, she started her own business and everything. So I it sort of like fizzled out that conversation, but it was always in the back of my head because I listened to a lot of podcasts anyway. And I had found a few people who had similar ideas that I could bounce ideas off. Yeah, I just figured I need to, needed to stop waiting really. Even yeah. if no one listens to it, I'll still be proud, you know, that I've made made something that I, you know, brought the idea into reality. So, I mean, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot so far, but it still feels new and I'm still learning a lot. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you looked up any, like, I know, how to start a podcast or like tips mm. to start a podcast before you start. But the main one always seems to be like, just do it. The main yeah. thing people do is just wait around. And it doesn't really matter. I, like we talked a bit before we started this and like audio quality and all that, that would just improve over time. It doesn't really matter too much if you start off with not the greatest audio quality, I think, just as long as it, I don't know, shows some improvement. And just as long as your content is interesting. Like, yeah, I think it definitely helps if your audio quality is great. Yeah, as long as it's like decent enough. And I think that that was a big barrier for me like going into it because there's, there's could be, there could be so much into it if you looked at all the audio and everything. Yeah. But then actually, like even when you listen to like a friend sends you a voice note when they're walking in the street and they've recorded it on WhatsApp on their phone, like it still sounds all right. You can, you would still listen to it. Yeah, it's listenable. So I listen to a bunch of, a bunch of podcasts, which are from like mainstream media or like massive ones that probably have over a million listeners. But then when they went into lockdown, because they didn't have their normal recording yeah, setup, yeah, of course. all of their quality was, you could tell that everyone was on the phone to each other. And that's when I really realized, oh, I'm still listening to this because the content's good. So that kind of motivated me to properly start myself. Yeah. What are like some of the main things I guess you've learned, would you say? Well, firstly, I'm just proud of myself that I actually did, did it <laughs> because I could have <laughs> just been talking about it forever. You know, everyone always said, like, oh, I, I wish I could just do this, but then we never get around to it. But a lot of what we talk about on my podcast is about like ethnic identity. Like what does it really mean to be Asian or what does it really mean to be Chinese? And I think a lot of people have these thoughts where they maybe feel in between two different cultures. It's definitely something that's pretty common now that I'm having more and more conversations about this stuff. And I've been treating it almost as a bit of a retreat because I just have so many conversations about the same topics with different yeah. people and it really helps me to like grow my own confidence as well so yeah I think each guest that I speak to like brings different things and experiences that I wouldn't have and it's just nice to be able to as you like as you said with your podcast it's an excuse to speak to people as well now I have a reason to like reach out to random people and old friends as well so how what's the current ratio of I guess friends to new people that you've had on your podcast probably like 70 percent new yeah i literally just um message people on social media i think that they're interesting or most of the time it's just because i'm already a fan of whatever they do so i just yeah. asked <laughs> yeah yeah do you have like a favorite episode that's probably like a tough talk to ask oh, i only so ask because we get asked that like quite a lot so i'm like it's an opportunity <laughs> now with a different another podcaster to you yeah put them on the back oh gosh no that's so hard but especially in your format it's kind of like of someone asking do you have a favorite guest or do you have yeah. a favorite friend <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah mine it's easy it's definitely not yash 
Um, <laughs> he's waiting for that. He's been waiting for that. <laughs> no, no. He's he's gonna listen to this and tell me I'm gonna have to buy him, buy him something now. Yeah, I don't know. But like, what about like topics wise? In terms of topics, it's definitely the ones where, I, like, I feel like it's not that interesting. But I'm like chatting to my sisters about our upbringing. But it's like a very relatable content for other people who have grown up with grown up with immigrant parents or attending like language schools at the weekend and stuff. And I think people might not realize that they didn't feel. They didn't already hear the, hear these voices that the experiences that they also had. They don't often hear them from like you know media. So that's yeah. sort of the reception that I've got from guests. In terms of my favorite episode, I'm working on one now that I haven't put out yet, but I am like looking forward to it. But I'm also a bit nervous about it. So once that's out, I think that will be my like most proud episode. I listened to your. It's your first episode with your sister. I think you might have done Ooh, more as well. Yeah, but I think your very first one, and that was kind of about your like both your ethnic identities mm-hmm. yeah and that's our most popular episode i think we we find that like the first episode is always the mm-hmm. one people would go to first i think we had this conversation like on like a previous podcast episode recently because listening back to that first episode we realized like how bad we were at this <laughs> um, yeah i feel like i've changed a lot since the first yeah, episode, yeah. even though it wasn't that long ago. So I don't want people to listen to my first episode, even though it's by far the most listened to one. Because I don't, I don't listen to podcasts like that. If I find a new podcast, I don't scroll down to find to listen to them in order. It depends. Yeah. I've been know, told actually. for hours, yeah, people look at the thumbnail of the ge- of the guests <laughs> and then they decide um, which yeah. one they've been picking recently. So I'm, <laughs> it's been quite funny. You know? I've been just like, okay, I'm not yeah, going to mention it, give anyone any props right now because then other people might get offended. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm like okay as long as we get the views I'm not bothered yeah but touching back on that first episode your sister that was one I listened to and I actually felt like I related to that so much Mm. we've just it might have been just been because I knew we both grew up like in similar like places because the I guess the diversity in like a place like here it's not really so I, I went to school and was like the only Indian kid Right, yeah. In my school. I think so many people have experiences like that. And we grow up thinking that's normal, but then when we look back, often it's like, okay, then you really realise. Yeah, yeah. Because I I just, I don't know, I think, I actually, I saw a, it wasn't a graph, it was like a scatter plot or something. And it showed like the diversity in like loads of different uh, counties in the UK. And like, mm-hmm. I think Essex was literally the worst for diversity. Yeah, well, I can't say I'm 100% surprised. Essex is a big borough as well. I mean, a big county. I don't yeah. really know like all the different towns and stuff in Essex, but I imagine that it would be pretty homogenous. And that's probably also why I wouldn't want to go there. <laughs> that's why I've had no interest in visiting. I uh, see. I'm, I'm, I'm like so loyal to Essex, even though I know it's like, not the best. I'm always like, oh yeah, Essex is a great place, you know. Bro, you don't even have a Nando's where you live, fam. From- oh, <laughs> that like not in my not in my own town. Yes, but I don't know, man. I feel like that's too far, personally. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. D- on the podcast as well. Like, what? Uh, I guess what is like your future plans for it? That's a difficult one, and actually, like, I don't have like. I wish I had this, you know, five year plan or even yeah. one year goal. I really don't. I think for me, it was just sort of like I was looking to listen to a podcast like this, that one I created. So I just wanted it to exist. I don't have aspirations to be a podcaster. Like that wasn't what I was yeah, looking yeah. for. But it was more just for the content to exist, so that if anyone else like who was like me went searching for it, it would at least like something would come up. 
So yeah, I'm pretty happy with where it's going. And I think my vision for it has changed a lot even since I've started it because, you know, all the conversations that I have, the fact that, you know, people are actually receptive to be guests or receptive to listen as well has been really nice actually that other people care and that sort of helps like push it along because if I had reached out to loads of people and people had you know left me on red or weren't really interested in guesting then Mm -hmm. it might like fizzle out sooner because I would just run out of things to say but being able to connect with so many people has been really great and motivating but I don't know like if I'm still doing it this time next year I'll be pretty pleased with myself but I guess that's me with like low expectations <laughs> yeah. no, no, you seem to be doing really well I really like the branding I call myself a designer in a way so I, I, I really appreciate like okay then that means a lot it looks because good. I, my sister said it looks like paint <laughs> she's like why are really? we all eyes made with paint <laughs> oh no I don't think that okay good yeah that means a lot <laughs> yeah yeah also like where can people find the podcast Presumably wherever they're listening to this one. So it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast apps, hopefully. But if not, just find us on socials and then it'll link link to whatever app you have. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the in the description too for people to check out. Moving on slightly, I think in your most recent episode actually you visited a topic on like racism related to COVID nineteen and especially mm, yeah. those with Southeast and East Asian backgrounds. I know that was something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, from your perspective, how's that been? Uh, oh my gosh, where do I start? I forgot I put this down as a topic. Right, let me, <laughs> let me. I want, I want to do this topic justice, uh, and I would love to hear your perspectives of it as well. Because mm-hmm. basically, right at the start of 2020, when coronavirus was, you know, started to be a thing in the news, obviously it was linked to China first and foremost, and a lot of group chats that I w- was in. There was just so many memes about coronavirus and like people eating bats, and there was just a lot, a lot of memes. And mm. maybe you also saw saw similar memes and jokes and stuff. But all of this stuff is actually this increase like hate crimes against Chinese people because somehow people want to I don't know blame Chinese people for all the awful times that we've been going through so far this year. It's pretty, it's not that surprising actually, because there's been jokes since the beginning of time about Chinese people eating dogs or Chinese people eating weird food that I'm sure you would be familiar with from like the playground, but it even affects adults. But yeah, it's just a problem because it's obviously not the fault of anyone just because of their ethnicity that there's been a global pandemic. Like there is a lot of like anti-China sentiments and that also affects people who are not Chinese because a lot of people get misidentified as being Chinese, mm. including countries from all of East and Southeast Asia. But I've just recently realized that I'm in a bit of an echo chamber where everyone that I speak to about this topic and my, my worries as well, everyone that I speak to is sort of already on board with it. And actually, there's loads of people outside of my immediate circle, including good friends that I would just wouldn't talk about the topic with. What do you mean on board with it? As in, they already know that it's happening. They already um, know that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually a lot of people now that I've started speaking to it more, like even so, are my good friends and my colleagues, because I hadn't told them, they never really, they hadn't noticed, they hadn't realised that there was increased racism to certain Asian groups because of this. So that's why I'm trying to speak about it more. I guess that's why I put it down on the list of topics. So but <laughs> thank you for giving me the space to speak mm-hmm. about it. And I don't know whether that's, What's you, if you had a perspective on it and whether it's something that you had been conscious of 
Yeah, so I think at the very early stages before the UK lockdown, I think I touched on it a little bit about on the train. But then I remember, I remember like if you actually go find that quote, I said something stupid like, yeah, I don't know why everyone should stand far away from the Chinese person <laughs> on the Jubilee line, yeah. Or like, you know, the supposedly look, looking, someone that looks like, I guess, of Southeast Asian origin, ethnicity wise, something along those lines. And then I went, obviously they were wearing a mask. So I just went and because on the Jubilee line, when you're getting to work, there's no space. So I'm just like, flipping hell, someone used the space here. So I walk, I obviously, regards to COVID, it's a dumb, dumb idea to do now, obviously looking back at it, because we've come a long way standing next to anyone. But yeah, I, I had noticed it earlier on. And I think another thing, I guess, was it around lockdown started afterwards? I think one of our previous guests, Leela Yin, check her out on Spotify. She made, <laughs> dropped a new song as well recently. She made a story about it, like explaining some of the, how like, I guess, racist and people have been, have been like on the attack of China. Then from there, well, I wasn't exactly sending memes or anything. Like I was just like observing things because I, when I go social media, I don't go for like, I guess, always catching up with the news. So it doesn't really bother me. But mm-hmm. then I did go and research like more into it but I don't know I kind of got lost and I ended up away from it but I am aware of that like I guess people are like super racist towards anyone who I guess they seem to deem as looking Chinese but I personally don't see it a lot or I don't hear about it a lot I guess I don't know if that's just because I'm with a lot of like open-minded people or if that's just like I don't know I think it's one of those cases where I don't see it in action even though most of my friends I would say on of that origin if that makes sense i definitely remember like seeing stuff online about it in like especially when like covid first broke out like i think there were like videos of like mm-hmm. an asian man like being beaten up or something on a tube or being like yeah. pushed around or something so i definitely yeah it's, it's definitely something i know is there which is yeah as you say it's like it's just stupid to blame like a pandemic on like people of a particular race yeah i, I don't think i think it's a lot of it has it's just idiots, isn't it? It's just idiots, like, <laughs> trying to, like, fuel stuff. I think, what was it? Donald Trump said something. Donald Trump said it was, like, the, called it the Chinese virus, didn't he? Yeah, he calls it, like, the China virus, and he made a joke about it being Kung flu. Yeah, he also made a racist remark to one of the reporters asking him mm-hmm. questions and then, ca- uh, like, yeah. basically didn't answer her afterwards or, like, said something. I don't remember what exactly along the lines it was. I just remember watching the video and then... Everyone was in shock how he basically... And then he basically tried to make himself look like the victim in all of that after what he did, like on stage and then left. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know why I don't know why I watched a Trump video. Like, how could I... How could I have been just, um, dragged into this clickbait? <laughs> I shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I think... At least I don't see it in the close group of friends to my knowledge. So I'm kind of like, I guess... Like, I guess just I'm being a bit oblivious to it a lot of the time. But yeah, like I am aware that it happens out there. I think I've just, yeah, due to my lack of contact with people, I just don't see much of it. Have you experienced it personally? No, I haven't experienced it personally. And I actually, since starting my podcast, I've had so many conversations with people about um, racism that they've experienced this year and also like, in, right, right from their childhood. That's made me realize that I've actually had way less than other people, but that sort of motivates me to give a platform mm. to sort of advocate for it. And the thing is, is like, it's not just about Trump or whatever's happening in America. Although I remember that case with the, it was a, it was a reporter who was Asian American. So he might have been Chinese. I don't know. It, that happens, but it's all, it's like these sentiments have always been there and they're in the media as well. Like with lots of anti-China sentiments, but actually 
it's almost like this year and, you know, suspicions about coronavirus starting from people eating bats, people feel like their racist sentiments about Chinese people eating weird food or being uh, sinister or something to be afraid of. It's like they feel like all of these thoughts that they had were validated, which is why we've seen such an increase in racism. And I remember before, just before we went into lockdown, there was the BBC, they put up a video of some like Chinese primary school kids saying that they didn't want to go to school because they were Chinese or something. And isn't that like the most sad thing? Oh god! Yeah, it's just a bit scary now because I actually don't see it getting better. I see it getting worse. And that's why I'm trying to talk about it more because otherwise um, mm-hmm. people won't, nothing will change. So from like the outside looking at it, like on social media or anything, it seemed like a lot of those jokes were made like at the beginning and then I haven't seen much since, but is that like not the case? You're right. The memes were definitely going around at the beginning, but I think now what we've seen is that what might start off as a joke can turn into sometimes like racial slurs, but also mm. um, like physical racism as well. So quite early on in the year, there was a Chinese student who was like punched in the face. This was in London. Yeah. yeah. And the most recent one that's going around now, well, there's a couple. That, so there's one big one where there's a, in New York, there was a grandma and someone set her on fire. She's like 89 years old or something. What? Really? Yeah, people set her on fire and then she was like, didn't even want to tell her family. But it, it kind of kick-started a bit of a, a protest start of a month because we need to talk about this because it's not it's not me that I'm worried about, you know. It's not me who's going to like, who's, who, I'm not the most likely person to get attacked when I'm like walking by myself. But what about all the other people that we know? Other people in our community or people who don't, speak English as well or are less likely to speak up like everyone has heard a racial slur at some point in their lives right yeah unfortunately and it's something which often goes unreported because we just don't think it's a big enough deal to talk about it Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be normalized we should be talking about it and then the most recent video I saw was a Chinese woman in Dublin who was being annoyed by like groups of teenage boys I guess and then in the end there's a video of her like being pushed in the canal, which just shows that they have no respect. And that yeah, was, she, she, yeah, she probably lives there. She's probably like her local natural nature reserve or wherever she's walking around. And that's just, that's just the one example of a video that's gone viral. You know, what about all the videos that all the, all the incidents that don't get caught on yeah. camera? Going to be a lot, and then it goes unreported as well. So I just feel like if I don't talk about it, then who will? So. Thanks for letting me talk about it today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention on social media recently, a lot of people have been recording some of the racist stuff or any sort of racial slur happening. And then basically social media helps track the people down, try to get them at least social justice because the system basically is continuously not punishing the racist individuals. So what are your thoughts on that around that? Because say... I guess in this case, hopefully it doesn't go down this, you know, hypothetical. Say it doesn't get better. What are your thoughts on, I guess, social justice being carried out by people because the system fails to do anything about it? I think that stuff is scary, like really scary, like doxing and stuff. When people just like somehow mob mentality, someone, someone somewhere decides that someone's done something wrong and should be quote cancelled or whatever. And then they hunt down everything about them, including their workplace their family members and they they start emailing their boss to tell them that they should be fired all of that i can see why people do it especially if they feel like the system or you know the institutions don't take this stuff seriously or it would go unpunished but who ultimately who gets to decide 
who's right and wrong. Like if you if you die online, you could die in real life. You know, I think that mob mentality is pretty scary. Yeah, part of that mob mentality is because a lot of people won't think for themselves for a second or won't ask questions. They'll do whatever they think someone else who they think is right is doing. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I was gonna say I think it also comes out of place for fear for them. Like all around you and the racist remarks and everything, like everything comes out of place of fear and they say it and then they don't understand what they're saying. And then by the time, maybe they realize and they're trying to retract it. Sometimes they can retract it successfully, but other times the damage is done and then it's too late for them to retract it. And then their damage is done to their lives, etc. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I think people may just need to like stop and think before they say, you know, when we were taught as kids, like try and think before you speak. I think like, some of that needs to happen again and more say more, I guess, education on these matters once again, because I think it's kind of like too brushed under the carpet because in my opinion, recently I've seen like very little things related to Black Lives Matter. And last I checked, like it's not like it's gone. Like it's still happening out here. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just kind of like disappeared, at least from the top of our feeds and everything, which is slightly concerning because last I checked, I hadn't seen any improvement or justice done for quite a few different cases. So I was just curious as to what's happening. Are, are we just done with it? Were we all okay to hop on the trend and then, you know, go back to what we were doing? Or is it like still ongoing? Uh, that did cross my mind as well recently. Because I think Boomi's probably spoke about Black Lives Matter. I think I said like, it kind of feels like it's different now. And like there will be change. But it's kind of just gone the same way as like most things do, where it's people will yeah post about it for a little while while it's like almost like a trend and then kind of just forget about it there's still a lot of cases i think the Breonna taylor one is still like yeah and shukri abdi as well yeah mm-hmm. what do you think we can do to like stop it from increasing nally like you said it's not improving how can we yeah improve it what i would like to see actually with all forms of discrimination is less blaming of what other people are doing i think Hamish, you're right like a lot of it they come, it comes out of fear or, or another emotion. And that's why people end up you know, emitting negativity. You can't control what other people do. Like, yes, you should hold, you know, corporations accountable and that sort of stuff. But I think sometimes what's missed is that we go too quick to, to, you know, blame, oh no, they're racist, they're racist, but we don't think about our, like ourselves, the people in our household, the, our closest friends. What can we actually do and change? And, we have influence over people within our communities and that includes your, your like, closest friends. Like I've been in enough conversations to know that I wouldn't always call something out if someone was making a slightly inappropriate comment, but actually I should. And I need to be thinking more about, you know, how can I change myself? Because if we all did that, then not everything would get better. Right. And I, I think what I would like to see specifically with the racism um, that's COVID-19 related and attributed to like blaming all Chinese people for something, which is affecting everybody. What I would like to see specifically to do with that is more people calling it out when they do hear people making inappropriate comments or saying, but just, you know, it just happens even in the workplace where you're supposed to be professional or whatever. And people are making jokes about so-and-so doesn't really speak good English. Let's not invite him or treating people as other or making fun of what they brought in for lunch just because it's different to what you would eat. I think these are all little things that would help to humanize Chinese people so that people actually realize that we're not just, you know, all related to the Chinese government. <laughs> Do you feel like at like the height of when you felt like there was a lot of like racial discrimination against East and Southeast Asian people that there wasn't really a lot of people standing up for them? 
Yeah, definitely. I do see a problem where sometimes it feels like it's still an like an area of discrimination, which is sort of still seen as funny and not seen as um, like not like politically incorrect in the same way. And I see that in the media as well, where it's still more okay to have a East Asian person with a quote funny accent, you know, making them sound like they're fresh off the boat, even if that's not the actor's real accent. They're like putting it on for laughs. And that's the same with stand-up mm-hmm. comedy and in TV shows and in movies. Um, and that sort of feeds down into the real real life as well. So um, I just signed a petition today which says that on um, like Instagram and Facebook, saying slurs which are normally linked to East Asians isn't grounds for someone to get have their account removed or to be reported in the same way that but they have a quite a comprehensive list of different slurs and common racist comments that are on that list, but things like specific yeah. words that are often aimed at the East Asian community are not still not on there yet. Yeah. Do you follow football at all? No, not really, but I hear about some things. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a there's a YouTube channel called AFTV, <laughs> um, Arsenal Fan TV. It's a quite, <laughs> quite a famous one. I'm not an Arsenal fan. There's a guy who's like, quite a big person on that channel and he he was like interviewed and he called one of the south korean players who plays for tottenham and i think he he didn't call him it he was as he was walking off the pitch yeah as he was walking off the pitch or something he made a comment about like dvds Mm. towards him and then he loads of like people complained and all that and then he ended up being like kicked off the channel yeah i want to see people um being accountable for their actions um but it's good to see them like actually take some action against that Mm-hmm. Also, one thing I want to touch on, like COVID nineteen related racism, is masks. Yeah, because I know it's, it's quite common. Like even when I went to like uni, it was like common to see a lot of East Asian and Southeast Asian people just wearing like masks on campus. Mm-hmm. And I think I only I didn't realize until like maybe at some point last year, it was actually just more for them. Like they might have been ill and they were wearing it to like mm-hmm. not spread that themselves. I don't know what I thought of before, but I think like a lot of like the perception is just. I don't know, like they just, it's almost like people take that as offensive that they're wearing masks around them when it's kind of not like that. No, at uni, I thought, I think like at uni, like first year, I, I discovered that basically there was really bad air pollution in a lot of the countries where they would have come from. So they would have worn masks anyways. And then it started to also become uh, fashionizable. So that's when the styling got added to the mask. So it wasn't just, I guess, a normal surgical mask or something just wrapped around your face. And then that just kind of became a thing. So for them, maybe like, I guess, habit as well. Yeah, I would say like at uni, I wasn't expecting that kind of, how would you say, like trying to prevent someone else from getting the same illness you may temporarily have, which was which was quite interesting. But I feel like at uni, I knew that they wore it because they just came from very heavily polluted countries. By polluted, I mean air pollution. Mm-hmm. No, Yeah, no, definitely. No, but that's always something I used to say to people because I, I, I would hear a lot of comments about, um, maybe international students from China or Japan and why are they wearing a mask that's so weird like why are they wearing a mask so many people would say stuff like yeah. that and I ultimately don't know because I didn't grow up wearing a mask if I was sick or even if there was really bad pollution mm. and I would have I would tell people all the time when this came up I'm like they're wearing it for your protection because I don't want to get your their phlegmy germs on you you should be grateful <laughs> like, <laughs> so they can go carry on with their normal life and it definitely is the case that even though now like everyone's wearing a mask or everyone's supposed to be wearing a mask, I still think it's seen as like a bit of a 
weird foreign thing, which is perhaps why some people are so against wearing a mask. And it's, you're right, it was a bit of a trend. It still is a bit of a trend. If anything, it's becoming more of a trend. I felt like earlier in 2020, every brand was putting out face masks. Even brands that don't even make clothing or anything related, they were all making their own branded face masks. And it's definitely become a trend here now, which is really weird to see, actually, like how quick culture can change. Because we went from being back in, what, February, where if you saw someone with a mask, you'd be like, that's a bit strange. Whereas now, when people don't see, when, when people see someone not wearing a mask, they start almost social shaming them, like, what are they doing getting on the tube without a mask on? And sort of making a lot of assumptions the other way. Um, but it's weird to see how quickly culture has changed. But I definitely felt like, like last month when I started going out and about a bit more as lockdown restrictions were getting looser, I actually had a bit of a moment where I was like, I don't want to walk around wearing a mask because people are just going to think that I'm, it might make them feel even more inclined to be racist. And then I was like looking in the mirror thinking, okay, but if I don't wear a mask, then they'll definitely be able to tell that I'm Chinese. And they might also social shame me for not wearing a mask. <laughs> So I actually had this thought in my head of, should I wear a mask or not? And then I ended up wearing a mask, but also with sunglasses and a hat. Because I was like, do I still look Chinese? <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. Why am I even having these thoughts? Oh God, and yeah. Again, this is me as someone, who, I haven't faced any increased racism this year, but I've seen enough cases in the news and I've heard of enough cases in my community that I just don't want to take that risk. Pretty awful. Like, I shouldn't be trying to change how I appear just so people don't push me into a canal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know about you but i've i still feel like i've seen more people not wearing masks than i do people wearing masks yeah i agree yeah yeah i think people are getting pretty complacent now i was on the tube today and last night um maybe because it was saturday night in london so people were drinking but yeah, yeah. on public transport people weren't wearing masks even in shops and stuff but if there's no one to enforce it then whatever and obviously there are sort of valid reasons why people wouldn't wear a mask but overall, like last night, it was about 50-50. Like, and not any more people were wearing uh, masks than not. Yeah, I think I found that nobody was wearing masks here. And then as I progressively got more and more into Central, then more people were starting to wear it. And it almost made me feel a bit weird. Like, are people looking at me thinking I'm a bit weird for wearing a mask? Uh, I was, you know, yesterday I was actually in a car with my friend. And we were waiting to pick up another friend. So I had my mask on. They had their mask on. Then we saw, yeah, whilst we were waiting for our friend, you just see like, basically, I guess like a family event or something is ending. And then about like, I wouldn't say 30, but near 30 people come out of this house. And they just keep coming out, coming out, coming out. Like they must have been there for some sort of family event or so. And maybe like one or two people wearing masks. I'm like, you know, I, I, why are we here? Can we drive away from this? I don't want to be anywhere near this because this is, this is how things kick off and become worse for everyone else. And I was just like, why, why do people got to be so... When I look at Snapchat, loads of people are at house parties like on their stories. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Remember that some people never went into lockdown. They took the rules and threw them in the bin straight away. So they never actually went into lockdown. They were still meeting up with their friends. And, you know, I guess that's up to them to decide what to do because there doesn't really seem to be much enforcement. But it's yeah. just for us to take into consideration when we're managing our own risk of what we we're doing. And I'm telling you now, I don't, I'm not going to get back on the tube on a Saturday or Friday night if there's mm-hmm. going to be that many people not wearing a mask. What is the current status at time of recording? Are we technically still in a lockdown or are we not in a lockdown? Well, I don't think the government ever used the words lockdown. But yeah. we'll, <laughs> there's restrictions on who, like how many people you're supposed to meet up with. And that changes for indoor and outdoor. Yeah. Every day I wake up on like trending on Twitter, I see like 
oh, another country has like tightened lockdown restrictions mm-hmm. and another country has done this because the cases have increased, the R numbers are close to one again or something like that. So, Do you think they'll do that in the UK though? They better because... Yeah, I don't think they'll ever enforce it here. Yeah, I feel like that's just kind of like a entitlement thing of um, British people or anyone who's lived here long enough. They feel like now they can do whatever the fuck they want. They're entitled to it. Whereas... I know some cases where you see like the Chinese government and so on impeding um, such, I guess, harsh measures. Like I feel like it could be good. Like even the New Zealand government, I feel like that could be good in some cases. I know it has like obviously damages to the economy, the businesses and so on, but it depends what you're willing to put first. Do you want to put businesses first or do you want to um, put people last first? That's where I guess you draw the line. Well, if you don't have people alive, then you don't have business. So I don't really see. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like all of these people who are going to work um, in the restaurants and pubs and shops now that they're all open, if they get poorly, then then what? Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's just, it's a bit, but I, I do agree that I don't think they're ever going to enforce it, Hamish. Just... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish sometimes they would. I know it would even make a lot of our lives miserable just being at home with everyone, but can we just get this over with? Can COVID just be done with? Yeah, moving on a little bit, uh, we touched on a bit of like social media and like a lot of like posts to do with like racism and all that. So we thought we'd, uh, well, this is actually like only our second or third episode with like a bit of a debate question. And our chosen one for today was, has social media improved human communication? Do either of you have any like initial initial thoughts to that yeah i think it definitely has i think it's improved mine to be fair like it's made me able to communicate with people something whether it's before or like after we get to know a bit more about then speaking to them in person i would say like i was lacking a lot more social i think social media helps with some social skills that will keep people in in touch i guess or lets people speak outside of it unless wait does whatsapp count on social media i i think i think we can count like yeah like just technology maybe i don't know i'd say yeah personally based on personal experience what about you natalie are you more leaning towards a it has or it hasn't yeah i agree i think it's really important to have like these online communities and people who you might not be geographically near but that's sort of where you feel the most sort of at home where you can be yourself Mm -hmm. and wouldn't be able to have that without the social media that we have now but having said that i for me i feel like even though i appreciate these communities and people I've been able to connect with only through social media. At the same time, I also know that I, I spend way too much time on social media and actually I should be like turning off to like just live my normal life. But what social media do you guys use the most? Me, it's probably Twitter. Not necessarily to like tweet, but I'm probably refreshing Twitter more times than any other social media. Because that's pr- like pretty much my news as well that's pretty much where i get any sort of news i'd say it's kind of equal um, across twitter um, instagram and facebook i basically just alternate between them to just look at i guess cats and dogs that's literally all i do occasionally i'll see a occasional <laughs> me if someone messages on something like shares a specific thing i'll be on that platform but otherwise it's whenever i guess you know when you just quickly just open up your phone you're on social media for a minute or two it just alternates. I don't know which one I'm going to open right away. It's like whichever one that was recently on, I won't open that again unless there's something I need to finish reading. But I'll just keep keep alternating over and over and over and over again. What about you, Nelly? I definitely used to be like yourself on Twitter all the time, but I felt a bit burnt out with it actually, especially because oh, there's no need for me to check the trending topics like five times a day. And actually, <laughs> I realised that if I turned off on Twitter for a day or a week or even longer, all of that stuff which I would have read 
my life still went on without it. So <laughs> maybe I didn't actually need to know it. So I've only spent more time on Instagram now, which also has its downsides. But um, yeah. yeah, definitely Instagram now. I'm going to put some uh, arguments on why uh, social media has not improved human communication, even though I might think it has. <laughs> so according to my sources, <laughs> 10 years ago, if you asked the average person, they're like the number of close friends they thought they had, they would have said 10. And more recently, they've said two. Mm. What is your source? It doesn't matter. Okay. My sources are, <laughs> are bulletproof. I think 10 is quite a lot, you know, for close friends, for people that you feel like know everything about you. But maybe our definition of close friends has changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because now, I think my, my yeah. yeah, I call everyone a friend, to be honest. Like, even if I've met them once, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah my friend. Is that why you're so single? <laughs> <laughs> why, would that, why would that relate to anything because you're putting because you're putting everyone in the friend zone oh okay oh shit yeah maybe how did you miss that oh shit oh fair enough yeah you got me um swiftly moving on um <laughs> another reason what about like shortening of words so you know like wcf omg lol okay i say yeah. lol i say lol like in my speech now when stuff is funny but not that funny yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so i think that that could be argued as like poor like speech poor grammar poor human communication and okay, that has come yeah. from like you're not interview every single conversation you're, you're probably doing with friends only right i hope you're not doing it at, at like job stuff well it might just like slip out you know <laughs> like they might say something i might just be a lol lol <laughs> yeah no i actually disagree i think that is good. It's, it's, you're right. You know, maybe people don't know how to spell stuff anymore and we rely on autocorrect and we um, don't yeah, use English. the correct grammar. <laughs> but I actually oh, think that using abbreviations and like the emojis as well, that that's, has elevated communication. And even oh, like when you go on Twitter yeah. and Twitter has its like own language, like it has its, it has a different vibe and a different culture just from like the way that people speak. It's not the same as what you would put on an Instagram caption or a or a Facebook status. It actually has a different feel to it, and I think that's down to like heightened human like communication and the language that we use is different. And even emojis have like different meanings now, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, could you say that because on Twitter or something, you are? It's it's not the same because I think the main argument is kind of like you're not being the same as you would in person. Like online, you would be. I think it's was myself like a while ago like online i'd be like so much more comfortable like making a tweet and saying stuff mm -hmm. but i wouldn't like say that in person in, yeah i was like, gonna say that like do you feel more invincible when you're online than you do in person yeah i, I remember saying to you hamish and tk uh tom kilman so previous guest of ours like we, i think we were talking about like talking to girls or something and i was like i'm so much better <laughs> over electronic airwaves <laughs> yeah that's and, like, the <laughs> Oh my god is that because you have a bit more time to think because you can yeah. finally blue tick someone back <laughs> yeah or just get nervous in person i don't know basically when you're typing you can reread what you're writing in it i guess but like if you're saying it and just like in person you, you can't like spell check or you can't all correct what you're saying like and something will come out severely wrong and that could obviously lead to a situation i don't know i'm trying to start, i'm trying to find some points for why it's made about i think it has i think some people feel invincible online and they definitely wouldn't bring that same energy to the to real life oh yeah that's definitely true 
and there's yeah a lot of like keyboard warriors hiding hiding behind usernames in the screen at the same time i think it can also go the other way where i feel more scared to say something online because it's there forever it can be screenshot Mm. you know whereas when you're just chatting between friends you wouldn't think about okay how might this come off and you know that it's not going to be recorded forever um whereas yeah now that people could take screenshots you never know who's reading your messages do you prefer calling or texting? I prefer texting normally, but since lockdown, I've done a lot of calls. And I think that's just way better to keep in touch with people because you can have a 15-minute phone conversation, which covers the same thing as like an hour text conversation. Yeah. See, the thing is, I don't remember the last time I had a phone call, like a, yeah. like on my phone. You should start. You should call some of these girls. And that could be a good middle point <laughs> between texting and trying to flirt with them in real life. I have to get a, I have to get a number first. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the first hurdle. uh, (laughs) but then i feel like a lot of people i saw this as an argument like so many people when they receive when you when your phone's ringing and it's someone calling you it's almost like you almost and i think i felt this as well you almost feel uncomfortable it's like okay why are they calling me like even if it's like someone you know like almost you almost have to like give a warning to someone before you call them i feel yeah no that's true do you understand you can't just like call them whereas like 30 years ago you just call them Mm -hmm. i think like most of the times I use are these calls are using me as like, yo, do you want to meet up? Like, or can we do this urgently? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't speak much on the phone unless you're like distant, like unless you're far away. But then wait, does, by the way, speak on the phone. Does that count as like when you're doing like a Zoom call or is that separate? Well, in this day and age, I need to know what the difference yeah, is. I feel, I feel like in this day and age, Zoom, we Zoom every day. Like it's not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't do phone calls anyway, I, do, I prefer like in-person conversations but some stuff is easier over text because of how far people live away from each other when you're not at uni yeah i found it's a lot harder to argue against something when uh you kind of believe in it um yeah. but i feel like there's so many people argue against it social media i think maybe because not in terms of communication skills where people can just get too like lost in it and get separated from reality and yeah that can be but then there's also like i don't know when you're at dinner or something or people like always on their phones or something they're more concentrating on something on their phone than they are like mm. talking to someone wait which dinners is this yeah whenever i'm out with you you're always like texting. don't lie you know this is wrong <laughs> <laughs> on the side i'm not having you put that out there wait um, you're the one that would have your phone open you're the only one with your phone on the, on the table when we're eating i don't want to yeah, hear urgent business sometimes and yeah I, th- I think like just purely on the fact that it allows you to communicate with people like on the other side of the country or other side of the world i think it's quite hard to argue that it hasn't improved communication i think maybe a more relevant argument would be if it's like improve the quality of communication i think that is maybe easier to argue for or against i think in terms of communication it's just hard maybe slang is just too becomes too normalized or non-proper english whichever way you want to put it but i don't know well, that's how language changes right like i'm sure the words that we use yeah. now could have been considered like not proper english at some point but you just get used to it yeah it just gets incorporated into language once everyone's on board I think a lot of re- a reason why a lot of people go against social media is because it's considered like so normal just to spend so much time on there and then forget. Like it's we keep loose touch with way more people now, probably way more people than our brain needs. And there's a reason yeah. why so many celebrities are apparently getting cancelled these days. It's because before 
they didn't really have that platform to tweet their opinions about everything, but now they do. So we hear opinions about everything that we never heard before social media. Yeah, I think um, it's just a lot of old people as well. I think they make the argument that social media is ruining stuff. It'd be interesting to see like when we're older, if we're like to our like kids or whatever, we're like, okay, no, you're spending way too much time on social media. Like it's ruining, ruining you or something. One of the best points for it or like pro social media, I think one of them was one of the people debating it. He was uh, a gay man and he was talking about like when he first came out, he was like the only like gay person he knew like in his community or in his school, whatever. And he had like no one to talk to, whereas he could just go online mm-hmm. on social media and like suddenly there was like a whole world that he could like speak to and like share his like experiences with and like get advice from people and even share his own advice. And there are probably like so many instances of that. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I was saying before about online communities. I think that part of it is really important. I think overall it is better because it just means that everyone has like equal access to creating their own platform and being heard. Because I, I can complain all I want about I don't want to see everyone's opinions about every little piece of news or that comes out in the world. But then at the same time, it's a good thing. I really believe it's a good thing that people actually have access to a platform because what that means is that there's no, there's not as much gatekeeping about who gets to have a platform and be heard. Whereas that might have been in the case in the past where there was just, you know, five TV channels and text messages. Yeah. yeah. Another point against it, not necessarily like communication or in some instances it could be communication, but like you see a lot of the time. So I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of like at a football game. A lot of people these days, you might see they're more concerned with like getting a photo or like recording like a moment in the game. And a lot of people like on social media, they might see that and be like, oh, these guys aren't even paying attention to the game. Like, why don't you just like enjoy the moment kind of thing? Same thing with like, if you go to like gigs or concerts or something like that, or if you're going to like on holiday, you have a lot of people, I think that would be more concerned with getting a photo. So they get like likes on Instagram. And actually just enjoying their time there. I, I've actually mentioned that to people I've been with in the past, like because the usual people I go with don't actually do it, but then like there's the occasional odd person that does it solely for, I guess, the attentional fle- flex factor on social media. I'm just like, yo, when you do that, do you not lose the moment that you're in? I guess you're trying to capture the moment, but whilst you're in that moment, the energy is unreal in my experience. And you stopping to try and get a good video of it, I feel like you're taking... You're trying to get out of the energy. And I feel like it's such a, it's such a shame, really. To be fair, I've definitely been through that phase, especially maybe like during university, like if you're at like a club or something, especially when like Snapchat was like booming. Or oh, is it when you were the singing Big Shack and Smack? <laughs> we can yeah, yeah. <laughs> then a lot of the time, or I definitely had mates who were like, a Snapchat story would be like a hundred snaps long or something. And they've just like recorded the whole night. So I definitely think it's a phase thing. But I think that's also another definite argument you could use to show social media has not improved human communication like people are just too worried about their social media their online presence yeah i think that's the case obviously people can do whatever they want on holiday and some people might say that they enjoy it more because they're there to like take photographs and it's like something that's their way of like getting souvenirs and memories but I definitely think it's a problem and a time when it really, really pisses me off is like, obviously you have people watching a whole gig or a whole football match through their phone because they're videoing it. But I've 
one that really bothers me is that when you're at um, a celebration like a wedding or a birthday and everyone's so concerned about getting their low quality you know Instagram story post <laughs> like when the cake comes out they're not even singing happy birthday because they don't want their voice to be loud on the video you only need one person oh, to okay. be videoing yeah. it and it just makes it look like no one's having a good time because everyone's just staring at their phone standing still trying <laughs> to make sure that they're, they're getting a nice stable clear video for their Instagram mm-hmm. story which you know however many people are going to see mm-hmm. for maximum one day and that really bothers me and I know that there's some like wedding photographers now who obviously they get paid thousands and thousands to get you know a day's worth of photos but then in all of their shots, it's like everyone holding out their phone and not in the moment or like blocking the like a church wedding aisle because everyone's like leaning out trying to get a photo of the bride and groom. And then uh, some wedding photographers just put up signs saying, put your phones away. I've been paid to take photos for you. You don't need to put it on your story like straight away. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if anyone listening to this like does that kind of stuff, like I'm not hating on you either. I, I, I enjoy I've watching been that person. Stories. That's why I know it so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy watching your stuff, and I, I'm even guilty of it as well. Like, of yeah, course, yeah. I like a, a good Instagram post now and then to, and I'd like look at the likes and be like, "Oh, I've got this many likes or something." So I think, yeah, I think, I think, it's definitely, conscious yeah, thing. I'd say I'm also slightly guilty. I don't do it. I think I've cut down because at least the concerts I've gone to, maybe I'll just do one small video for a specific bit, so I have a memory of the specific bit, but I may not post it. I may just have it on my phone and then I leave it, and then I go back to what was happening at the concert. But I remember like back at uni though, I don't know. Now now I'm like doubting myself. Like when me and Aaron just used to basically hating. make stories of each other. yeah, And just like, they used to be like, rude and just in for joking manners. But I'm not sure if it was like also for the, so everyone else could joke about it as well. Like I'm not sure purpose, but yeah. Aaron, I know you lost like half your friends today just because of the comments you made. So well done, mate. No, no. As I, as I, I disclaimed before the argument that these aren't necessarily my <laughs> views. Uh, I'm more doing it for the entertainment of the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of communication, Natalie, I hear you've done a bit of public speaking. <laughs> <That transition. laughs> I don't know what to say now. But you, you did a TED-Ed talk. Yeah, that was this time last year, which is mad to think about because it doesn't feel like a year ago, even though a lot has happened. Yeah, that was a really exciting opportunity something that I didn't really expect it was at a massive um, youth conference with the YMCA who Mm -hmm. were celebrating their 175th year last year but they had people from YMCA's like so many different countries over 100 different countries coming to London to the Excel Centre and it was a massive like five-day event which I had the opportunity to speak at so they linked up with TED to coach public speakers for the different sort of opening and closing of each day. So they had like yeah. a big opening ceremony with like flags and everything. It was very extra, but it was really cool. It was a really cool event to be part of. And I got that opportunity through a charity that I volunteer through. They nominated me, which is, yeah, I just like to talk about this sometimes because I think people should always shoot their shot for things that they want to do. And since then I've had so many people say, Oh, I could never like, I feel so nervous when I do have to do presentations at work mm. or any sort of public speaking. But actually, I really think that anyone can do it. But it's all about practice and not being scared of something that hasn't happened. Easier said than done, I know. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you think you've had like since quite a young age? No, definitely not. I was like super shy at school. I was like the quietest kid in my class. 
So where, where do you think that kind of, was it like a turning point? Um, there wasn't sort of one particular point, but it's the sort of thing where I have increasing confidence over time. And now I don't get nervous when I do talks because, you know, you've done it before. I think it's about putting yourself out of your comfort zone. So mm. if you have the opportunity to do a presentation, whether it's part of your uni course or in a, in a job or anything, just take the opportunity or there's places that you can go to to practice like public speaking. For me, it was definitely like a little bit here and there over time. It's like growing the audience and growing like talking for longer or talking without notes, talking without slides. I'm not an expert by it. I'm still learning, but I think it's a good skill to have in your personal life as well. It's just a good skill. You should be able to speak in front of people, but so many people are scared of it, which is why I like to encourage other people that what they have to say is worth saying, that they definitely do have the skills to do it. And even if you feel nervous, it doesn't always come across. It's more about sort of how you act and what you say. Yeah. I have listened to the talk, so I do know what it's about, but could you, uh, yeah, maybe just mention what it is about and that, that might probably give an insight into like what you kind of do as a like a day-to-day job, really. Yeah, so in my talk, I was talking about my journey through education and into my career as someone who's a minority in more than one way in the engineering fields, which is traditionally a very male-dominated field, but there's a lot of work to sort of highlight how many women there are actually in these different careers who are thriving and succeeding but when people think of an engineer they still often think of a man even though that's not really what it's really like now so being able to sort of share that on the last platform and connect with people from different places who had had similar experiences whether it was there was some like high school students from New York who said that they also had similar things where a teacher might have told them oh I don't think you should pursue this higher level math like AB maths and they think it was down to their gender or speaking to someone who was in the leadership team of, of YMCA's in Australia. And she said that, you know what, when I was at university, I was one of the few girls in my course, in my class. Um, and it's sad to see that actually progress has been made, but not quite as much as they had hoped. And yeah, it was a great opportunity to be able to connect with people. And I, a big part of my volunteer work outside of, I guess it's sort of like an alternate personality that's a bit separate from my like podcasting side is promoting that and diversity, particularly gender diversity in different engineering fields, also in science and maths and all of that. I think it's a, there's a big disparity and I don't really know why that is because there's no one real reason. But when you, when you were at school, I guess it's, um, down to the career advice that you got so when you two were kids what did you want to do i'd say i'll probably i don't know so i had basically obviously you had your parents would be saying something like oh yeah make sure you get like an accounting or job or something like that and i was like i don't know I, I didn't really give too much thought to it but i always saw that people could type faster than me in a computer and i just wanted to do something related to computers yeah and here i am actually doing that so <laughs> minus the pot, um, podcast i guess unless that counts but um i think for the most part, I haven't really had the thing like, oh, I wanted to be an accountant or anything. I've always wanted to be somewhere related to computer science and I'm there. So like, I don't know. I don't think I have a good person as an example. Aaron, did you have any alternate things that you would have? I, I, I wanted to become David Beckham. <laughs> and then my my fallback was computer science. What a fallback. Something in tech. Yeah. That was my like, I don't know. I was always seen as like the go-to tech guy in the family. Even at like 10 years old, I probably was still like that person. So that was always just something I, I was always like gassed up as like 
someone who's good at good at that stuff so that was always like did they just guess you up so that you would like fix all their problems (laughs) yeah to be honest a lot of the time now i'm just like just mom just google it man like what are you (laughs) like it it really used to annoy me and then now as well when i can't do when i can't fix something so like say like the wi-fi is not working and it's like a problem with virgin media and then my mom's like you, what, what do you have a computer science degree for? And I'm like, oh my God. What, my mum says that to me as well. Mean? Like we yeah. get a new hub that's like electric and no one knows how to use a touchscreen button. And she's like, aren't you an engineer? And I'm like, this is obviously not what I did at uni, but okay, yeah, yeah, go exactly. off. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I do, I do know it's a problem. Like just in your, actually from your speech or from your TED talk, I have a stats that you said that, uh, women make up 12% of engineers and technicians in the UK. And what surprised me was that you actually said that's the lowest in Europe. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know if, it, like, if it's much of a surprise, but it's just like, oh shit, wow, like a realisation more of. But yeah, well, how is it for you then? So you, my understanding is that you are a civil engineer, but you have like a bit of, had a bit of like a job switch. Yeah, well, yeah, to build on that, I think it might surprise people that we have relatively low numbers even compared to other like Western European countries because we see ourselves in the UK, we see ourselves as pretty progressive. Hmm. But actually, that's not necessarily the case if you look at the the numbers and stuff. And there are so many different influences that would affect sort of what career you end up going into. And some of those would be like your parents, your teachers, your, your friends, your peer groups. But there's crazy studies that show how... um Students, female students who go to all girls schools are more mm. likely to choose subjects which are deemed more masculine or, you know, things like further maths and physics and computer science. Whereas students who went to a mixed like co-ed school with male and female students are more likely to sort of steer away from those subjects, maybe because there are, they, they can sort of see how they group, like by the way mm. that they're treated. And it's sort of no like individual school or anything's fault. It's just something to be conscious of so that when we speak to people, we don't, you know, we don't treat people with such sort of surprise when they tell us that they um, are pursuing a career that we might not have a thought that they would be pursuing for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't have to always be like a pioneer or, you know, a big game changer if just from the career that they chose to pursue. So what was it for you that, when did you want to become like an engineer? Um, I was always a bit of a maths nerd, but that's a different stereotype. (laughs) I didn't, so I studied civil engineering, but I had no idea. I never heard of civil engineering until I was about 16. And I always share that when I'm volunteering with young people, because a lot of teenagers have this perception that we need to know exactly what we want to do for the rest of our lives, for our 40 year careers by the time that we finish school. But that really isn't the case. Yeah, I didn't hear about it till I was 16. And I think I just like that how it sort of uses maths and physics. It affects things in the built environment. So it affects, it's like the kind of projects that would affect anyone, you know, mm-hmm. that we all have buildings and we all have a home. We all get on public transport. All of these things come down to civil engineering. And I think that's why I was so interested in it. Do you feel like you were encouraged to do it? No, definitely not. Like in my last year of school, so in sixth form, I was the only girl in all of my classes. So I was already you know, very othered. And when I think back to some of the, you know, side comments that some of the students or even teachers would be making, I think back and think, oh, they wouldn't have said that if I wasn't a girl or if I wasn't the only girl in the class. Mm. And these are all things that I wish now <laughs> that I like, had spoken up at the time and said that that was not okay. Um, but I think these things really do affect you because like for a teenage girl, you've got a million things to be worrying about. Uh, you don't want to be worrying about 
how you're seen because you're cho- choosing a certain subject that none of your friends are choosing. It's just a bit of a shame if a lot of people feel like they can't pursue certain subjects because they're gendered, either like their gender or a different gender. So was there like any point where you were like, yeah, I can't do this? Maybe because the way you thought you were being like treated or... There was just two the, the little comments, the microaggressions that build up over time. And I think what ultimately did it for me is that I was looking at, I was working in a large organization so I could basically see every, you know, job title that I would hold through my, through my entire career if I sort of stayed within that field. And I was just looking at these people who were like my managers and stuff. And I was like, these people are miserable. They complain so much about their jobs. Obviously, work is work, right? It's not going to be bliss. But still, you shouldn't hate your job. I know they were so negative about it. And I really thought, wow, if I graft and graft and graft, and in 15 years' time, I'm in their shoes, how is that anything that's not fulfilling? That's not happening. So I decided to do a little bit of a career switch. And it's a bit of a mad one because I never would have expected it. But it's something that I'm happy with. But I think there's no sort of one, there's no one easy way to make that decision. But for me, yeah, I would say if someone was thinking about quitting their corporate job, I would say, look at where you're headed. If you look back in 10 years time, would you be happy? You know? Yeah. So what are you doing now? Uh, I work at an education nonprofit helping to deliver a volunteer program. So it's a program that I volunteered with myself since I was an undergrad student. And it's something I'm passionate about. So it's easy for me to bring that energy. To the, yeah. to the work day for a 9am meeting, you know. So I think that always helps if it's something <laughs> that you really actually care about. Yes. What are kind of like the best, I think you touched on it really, but like, do you think like the best way to overcome, I guess, this gender gap in like STEM subjects is just to just like not judge it or like, as you said, like people might make a big deal out of it if like a, a female wants to do one of these subjects and might, yeah, might not expect it, but we should really. I think it should be promoted from early as well. Yeah. And encourage more. Well, there's no sort of one quick fix. I wish there was otherwise so, so, yeah. so that we could just do it. But yeah. there are so many, as I said, there's so many different influences that you have throughout your life that help you to decide what career you have. And different careers are given different amounts of respect as well. So that also comes into it. And I think ultimately it's not about, it's not about the young people. It's not about women being encouraged to join the industry. Like women are already encouraged or they're already interested. They're already like, uh, interested in studying these subjects but at some point they get discouraged actually like okay. how do we get rid of that and that could be sort of quite early on when people are choosing their GCSE subjects and they want to pick things that they where the teachers are nice to, to them or whatever their friends are picking or however I don't know how you chose your GCSE subject what your parents wanted you to pick I think that was the case for me and <laughs> or it could be like way later on where like me where I entered the industry and then left because it mm. wasn't the right fit and I think what I would like to see that is sort of harder is for people to actually think about how, like, whether they treat people unconsciously different. And it's often not with malicious intent, but it makes a difference. Like, if you're going, if I'm going, if I tell someone, like, I was studying civil engineering, there would always be a, really? I would never have expected that. Which just, it's a fair comment, fine, but it also makes me think, yeah, what am I doing studying civil engineering? Mm-hmm. When everyone looks at me and says I should be studying uh, marketing, you know, I used to yeah. ask people, "What do you think I study?" Because I just got tired of these conversations where people would be like, "Oh my god, I'm so surprised." And it's the same when I joined the industry as well. It's so common. So not only are you sometimes like physically the only person in the meeting room who's not like a white male, but sometimes it's also like people making comments that are they just are microaggressions, and often they don't come with any ill intent, which is why it's extra hard to call it out sometimes. 
But honestly, this is the stuff that I'm, I just know it. Like I think about it. I'm in plenty of like networks of female engineers who feel the need to come together sometimes outside of their workplace to find these communities and networks because they don't feel like they're heard and they don't feel like they have the people in the workplace. There are lots of women working in these fields already. There are sort of plenty of inclusive workplaces. But sometimes it's the comments from people who aren't, who don't even work in the field that are the ones that mm. are the hardest to overcome and you can't get away from them. Yeah, I think from this episode, we've learned like bare people are just microaggressive, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure I am as well. And, you know, you know we're all guilty of this. I was going to mention that in my school. So whilst you were having a conversation about the STEM subject thing, I was trying to remember, like, I guess the top achievers or the people in each of the subjects I had at A-levels and... Apart from applied ICT, where the ratio was basically like one or two girls and then everyone else was guys. I think the others are either 50-50 split or in some cases they may have been just maybe in my specific classes because obviously they're split into multiple classes for a subject. They may have just been, a, I guess, a fair ratio. Like by fair, I mean like as close to 50-50 as they could be based on the people who had chose it. So I was just thinking along those lines. And then, yeah, so on, I think on the top achievers, I think I think there may have been more girls than guys. And all of them were for STEM subjects. But I think that's also because our school, I don't know, I feel like because of the diversity in our school, we had a lot of differences. But I wouldn't say like we're more inclusive or they promoted STEM. It just happened to be that they were chasing, I guess, like the standard Asian background of, you know, what their parents say, you need to become a doctor, blah, 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 something in STEM. And then that ended up being the case. So by, I guess, by parents forcing them down, a route that may, they may not want to go, they ended up in STEM and technically are adding to, I guess, the STEM diversity, which is good. Whether it was un- intentional or unintentional is a different story, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to hear like the level of discrimination that goes on at other schools a lot, whereas I can only speak for certain subjects because mm-hmm. I grew up in a very mixed school, so it was very, very yeah, different for me. I think though, when we went to university, though, we saw like the oh yeah difference. <laughs> me and Hamish both do computer science and we did it at the same university. And what we had, mm-hmm. maybe a hundred people in a year, and it was like five girls, I think. Yeah, it's right. It's so crazy, isn't it? When yeah. actually, if you think about it, it's such a growing field, and it has includes a lot of like creative and problem solving, like so many different skills. But for some reason, not for some reason, we sort of know what re- what the reason is, but like people yeah. are not drawn towards it just because of their gender, and it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so now we're heading into the final questions, and the first one is. If you had the chance to make a documentary, what would it be about? Along the, the lines of my podcast, I would do it around like East and Southeast Asians in the UK, because I think a lot of people don't realise how big these communities are, that they're not some new community as well, but they've, they've been here for over 100 years in some cases. And but I don't want, I think a lot of the times when they ask like people of colour to, you know, talk about their own story, they like to hear some sort of gruelling tale of how they escaped war and became a refugee and then came to the UK for a better life and sometimes I feel like they like to hear that because they they being British people which I'm also part of <laughs> because they want it to like, <laughs> like make themselves feel better like yeah we provided them with a home they came here to mm-hmm. become British and they're you know contributing to our society I don't know but sometimes it's just like that's such just one angle of the communities but um, I would love to do a documentary of just you know the actual real life talking about the good times and the bad times and not just talking about you know I grew up Asian and it was so hard I hate that <laughs> I hate we hear those too much <laughs> yeah I agree with that quite a bit I feel like I never really I think you've also mentioned it on like a previous podcast but growing up for me I, I didn't really have that kind of 
I, I didn't really have that much racism. Like I didn't, I wasn't really affected by anything like that. I didn't have any of the struggles that I hear mm. a lot of other Asian people had growing up in, in the UK or anything. So it's almost when they like ask me about it, I'm almost not really telling them, I'm not really saying what, what they kind of want to hear because they kind of maybe want to hear like I had this struggle and like overcame it and all that, but yeah, like pretty, pretty fine. Yeah, that's true. And that's something I've been thinking about on my podcast as well. Like sometimes I feel like I could lean on any incidents that I had and like pull it up to try and make my content more relatable to the people who did have those experiences. But then actually mm-hmm. recognizing that it's much better for me to be authentic and to be honest about actually, you know what? I never want some people, a lot of people have said to me that they, they grew up wanting to change their ethnicity and I never had that. So actually, I think it's really positive for me to be able to say, actually, you no, know, some people may have had that. I understand that's very difficult to deal with, but that's not all the case for everyone. I never grew up wanting to change my ethnicity. Actually, I don't know. I feel like I might have had that like at some point. I don't know. Probably when I went to be David Beckham. <laughs> I can't envision myself looking like another, like a skin colour or another ethnicity. Like I just can't envision it. So like, I don't know. I feel like at school also, it was very lightly, like racism just wasn't taken in that way. Which is very different considering now nowadays racism isn't tolerated at all. So I, I would hope like, so. But I'm sure it still yeah. happens, like at schools yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but it's definitely yeah, sure. it was pretty. It must have been worse, like even like for our parents' generation and stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then our second question is, who would be your dream podcast guest? Oh, I actually wrote these down because I've I've someone asked me this before for like a written interview and. Two of the people that I would love to have as a podcast guest. Uh, one of them is Chanel Miller, who's an author, and she sort of became well known as I don't know if you remember this case of where there was like a student from Stanford who raped a woman, and then he had a really short he got a really short like punishment, and mm-hmm. every all the newspapers were saying you know he's you know they're award winning athlete he's a swimmer and saying all this stuff about him. But throughout that whole case, she was anonymous. But then she came out afterwards and released a book. And she's also Asian-American. And similarly, another person who, I guess it's a similar story. I don't know if this is the theme. But she was <laughs> raped. And then, she, but she has, you know, she realized there were some things wrong in the system that would make it very difficult for victims mm-hmm. to push their case in the eyes of the law. And yeah, she she's advocated for that and made a lot of change. And yeah, actually changed the laws in different states in the US. She's American, Vietnamese, Mandarin. And she's also, she got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. So she's like legit. She's never coming oh, on really? our podcast. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> I never yeah. know. I, I hope to see sometime. Yellow Bee Pod. But I really admire that, you know, because they speak up about it. So it'd be great. Yeah. I, I see them out there speaking about it. And they just know like sex is such a taboo in so many, like Asian communities, like sex is such a taboo, let alone. Yeah, yeah sexual violence and the fact that you know they have that courage to speak up about it and can make things better for other people is like really admirable i think yellow bee pod watch this space watch this space although my ne- my next episode the one that i was working on that like i said i would probably be my most proud one is with someone who's a, a me too hashtag me too advocate so she used okay. to work with harvey weinstein her name rowena chu oh wow and so okay. she was she was one of the many women that came out accusing him i don't know i don't know why i lean to this so much <laughs> like but i do think there's such amazing power for the, all of these women like asian women as well who are speaking up about it would that be coming out within the next two weeks uh yeah so i guess it'll be out once people are listening to this 
Yeah, she's actually British-born Chinese like me. And I think a lot of people wouldn't know that because we see it as such like a okay. Hollywood case. Yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. Third and final question is, what is your most memorable third wheeling experience? <laughs> yeah, this is such a good name for your podcast, by the way. I love I love this idea. And I was laughing with my friend about this before because she says that I always third wheel her. And just the <laughs> other week, she invited me to dinner with her and her fiance. And I was like, it's like a nice sushi dinner. And I was like, I am craving sushi, but I'm not going to come because it's your anniversary. I'm not going <laughs> to come on your anniversary dinner. But I have spent Valentine's Day with them before as a couple. Not doing anything romantic, oh, but it was, it, just, it was just Valentine's Day and I was yeah, hanging out and I was like, this is weird. But yeah, it happens a lot. And I, like, I also stay over at their house and I was sharing with my sister because she's like, when you stay over at their house, where do you sleep? Like, do you sleep on the same bed as them or do you sleep on the floor like a dog? So I'm not even third wheeling. She thinks that I'm like their pet. <laughs> I don't sleep in the same bed or the bedroom. Yeah, I think I'd rather be the dog in a situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes the dog sleeps on the bed, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just like, like the, by the feet. <laughs> so I've had my fair experiences of third wheeling. <laughs> okay, yeah, moving on. One thing we have is that we ask each guest if they would like to nominate anyone to come on as a future guest on the third wheel. Oh, yeah, this is fun. I actually sent your profile to someone before we recorded today but she said she's already in touch with you so it's pretty from pretty personal but she said that she's already in touch with you me and her we we used to speak about starting our own individual podcast for months before either of us started so it's really great to be able to see that but a person that I would actually nominate is someone who I think you've also connected with Steph Fung from Asians in Britain okay yeah she's someone I've connected with she's featured my sister and myself on her amazing page and I think yeah she's just great (laughs) <laughs> yeah that'd be cool so did you know Preeti before yeah uh, she's a good friend of my sister's okay cool oh, okay. awesome the small world no it's good and it's actually really great to connect to people like yourselves and uh, a couple of weeks ago I had a big zoom call where I basically everyone that I knew who was Asian based in the UK and had started a podcast I just invited them this is cool so that we could share ideas and stuff and I'll have to yeah, yeah I remember being there do it again <laughs> now I know you I will let you in if it happens again because it was really great actually especially I'm me just like, I'm just doing it by myself so it's really great to be able to speak to you guys yeah, yeah no that's podcast. that's a cool thing uh, yeah to do yeah. yeah awesome and the final bit is a shout out so you can just shout out whatever or plug it whatever you want yeah do you have anything in mind oh, I would like to plug going back to our first topic there's currently a crowdfunder for the first UK organization that's going to look at racism that affects east and southeast asian people so it's going to be the first one they have a crowdfund fundraiser at the moment which is called end the the virus of racism yeah yeah and as always like go check out the yellow bee pod as well all the links to that will be in the description my have you got anything hamish or should i go yeah my shout out is going to be for akon's new album ain't no peace yeah i'm just gonna shout i don't really have much anything new to shout out so i'm just gonna like shout out all of our social media go uh, check us out at the third wheel fm we're pretty much everywhere if you can leave a rating on um, apple podcasts and a review if you can because it's just yash you're being too nice about it aaron you should do it like how i do it on my podcast i'm like i would really appreciate it if you left a click on it right now open your app go on to the third wheel i know you're already already listening to it just open the app that you already have open and click five stars yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> what natalie said exactly what natalie said the reason um, why we can't say that is because we say don't beg it so that it becomes a bit ironic when we, when either oh of us okay <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm happy to go full beg because sometimes you just need to remind people 
Yeah, when yeah. I listen to podcasts myself, I don't listen. I don't leave a review for the first hundred times that they say it. But on that hundredth time, I'll, I'll, I'll open it. <laughs> I'll click it. It's going to be part, become part of our intro now, Aaron. We'll just make it if you haven't already. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I might. I might just review it myself. To be honest, I might just add a review from myself and just be like, "Yo, I think the host is great. I think he's awesome. One of them's a bit dodgy." But... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I think that's uh, that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for Natalie for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And nice meeting you as again, well, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's good to chat to you both. And yeah, it's yeah, um, awesome. especially cool because we are all in this podcast space now. Awesome. And yeah, everyone go check out Natalie's podcast as well and keep checking our one, keep listening. And as Natalie said, give it a review rating and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And yeah, I guess we'll just speak to you next week. Uh, have all right, see you. See you. Bye.